All right, how are we doing? Good, can you hear me? Praise Jesus, Jesus is here. Yeah, praise God. Oh, I don't know about you, but I'm going to have Ashley send me the versions of that song because, man, I truly just felt like I was in the presence of Jesus. Uh, just, man, like it says that He inhabits our praise. Like Jesus inhabits our praises. So when we got our hands up and we're singing, like Jesus is inhabiting our praises. Not only that, we know that what I say every time we hear from the Scriptures or two or more gather in His name, He's here. So He's here. Jesus is here inhabiting our praises. Like, praise Jesus. <laughs> yes, so good. So, always excited to be here. Always glad to be here. Alright, there we go. Always glad to be here. Uh, I'm pretty tired. I actually drove all the way to Kenai this morning and all the way back to uh, drop off one of my brothers that's been with us for three months. Just a dear brother. Uh, and just a quick testimony on him. We were down at the Sullivan Arena on a Sunday. Uh, we have a group of men and women that go down there and minister. And Daniel uh, is a brother of ours that was with us for a long time and kind of wandered off. He was walking. At this point, he was walking to the arenas to go to a place to have a safe place to stay. And he saw our axe banner on the door. And we were giving a message. And he walks in. And he's just embraced by family. Uh... So we've got to spend the last three months with him. He had pneumonia really bad. He had heart failure. Only 10% of his heart was working. And that's just the goodness of God, right? If he was still out there, he'd be dead. But he drew him in, and i got to see God working through him and strengthening him, uh, bringing him back to health. His heart is at about 40-something percent now, but uh, we got to take him down to Kenai, and he's going to stay with his mom, and the Lord's doing some work, recon uh, reconciliation work there. Uh, so it's just a, a really beautiful thing. So I'm a little tired, but I am never too tired to preach the gospel. Never too tired to be in the presence of God. And that's why I come, right? Like, I believe that when I am here, I am in the presence of God. God dwells in this place. Uh, so I'm gonna, I know Ashley opened us up in prayer, but we're going to keep praying. Uh, Father God, we just acknowledge You here in this place. We pray that You would come and have Your way in this place tonight, Father God. Not just tonight, but always, God. That You would remain here, that You would dwell here, that You would manifest Yourself here in a tangible way to my sisters, God. Uh, that they would know that You are here and they would feel the presence of God every day in this place, Lord. Uh, Lord, I pray that You would just anoint me in this very moment to speak Your Word, God, because I will boast in my weakness, Lord, and my inability uh, to preach the Gospel apart from You. Uh, so, Father God, I pray that Your Word goes forth today. I pray that this message would be heard by every ear in this place. Father God, as it has been wrecking me this week, I pray that it wrecks my sisters in here. It's a message of truth. It's a hard message. But You've given it to me to, to preach here tonight, Father God. So we just acknowledge You here. We pray that You have Your way here tonight, Father God. Uh, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. So, I hope that everybody has Bibles. If not, I have two more up here. It's important that when we're reading the Gospel, when I'm up here preaching a message, that you're reading in Scripture along so you know that what I'm saying is truth. Because the last thing I want to do is be up here and not speak truth. God has some very brash words to say about 
people who preach the gospel in an untrue way. And I never want to fall into that category. So I would I handed out about five, six Bibles. I'm expecting that you all will be following along. Uh, and anybody that wants to follow along, uh, I have two more Bibles up here. It's the greatest gift you could give somebody. The greatest gift that we have received, of course, is from Jesus Christ. Right? So I'm going to get started. We're going to spend a majority of the time in Acts 2. Uh, and I'll get there and I'll let you guys know when we're turning there. Uh, but the message that we're going to be preaching tonight, the message that you're going to hear tonight, is a message of repentance. Right, Oh, repentance. It says repent and believe. So what does repentance mean? Anybody, what's repentance mean? That's a great answer. That is a great answer. So, let's define repentance. And I don't do this often, but I thought it was necessary. Repentance in Hebrew. Let's define repentance in Hebrew. There's two words that are used for repentance. First, we have nahum, which means to grieve. It means a strong want to change. The second is shub, which means a change of mind towards sin, a decision to forsake sin and obey God. And while I was looking it up in Hebrew, I thought I might as well look it up in Greek as well. The Greek word for repentance, and I hope I don't butcher this, it's metonia, to turn around. To stop going one way and to go the opposite way also described as a completely different way of thinking. So we see both in the Hebrew and in the Greek the meaning of turning away from. It doesn't mean to walk around it. It doesn't mean you see it and you keep going. It means that you completely do 180 and walk away from it. Repentance simply means to stop and turn around and go the other way. It also means to change the way one thinks. When we repent, we see these three things take place. We feel a, a guilty, like we feel a guilt for our sin. Like I've sinned and I feel guilty. We stop practicing our sin and we turn away from our sin and begin walking with God through obedience. When we have an inward faith toward God, we begin to see an outward evidence of repentance. Yeah. Yeah. Repentance and belief. Repent and believe are two sides of the same coin. You cannot have one without the other. So we want to get into some scripture. Uh, this is what I was digging into this week. Uh, and this is amazing. Like, this is, this is the message of the Gospels. This is the message of the Scriptures. And we're going to see that as we get into it. The message is repent and believe. This is the message. And we're going to see it through Scripture. I'm not just going to say it's repent and believe. I'm actually going to show you in the Scriptures this message that was preached over and over again and the importance of repentance. Because what is why do we repent? We repent of our sin. What does sin do? It draws us further apart from God. 
Do you ever feel like, man, I just don't feel like I'm connecting with God or that God feels distant even though God is there? It's a sin thing. It's a heart thing. And it becomes a repentance thing because we're far away from God in our sin and when we repent, we have the ability God has given us this to draw us back to Himself. John the Baptist came before Jesus. Before Jesus came and started His ministry, John the Baptist preached repentance. And I'm going to read from Matthew 3, 1-6. through It says this, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent! For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is He who, I, who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when He said, The voice of the one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make His path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. And his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and Judea And all the regions about the Jordan were going out to Him. And they were being baptized by Him in the river Jordan, confessing their sin. That's the account in Matthew. Now we're going to read it in Mark. And in Mark, it's chapter 1, verses 1-8. through The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make His path straight. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness in proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and Jerusalem were going to Him and were being baptized by Him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. This is two accounts, so this is is truth. This is a man that ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. You see, in John 1, they asked John. The Pharisees, they come and they asked John, Who are you? And He told them, I am the one. I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. And we find that in Isaiah 43. 43. You see what John was doing here? This is before Jesus even came. John was anointed with the Spirit before He was even born. He was the one to prepare the way for Jesus Christ. And what did He say? Repent. 
repent. This is the message we're going to continue to hear. To turn away from your sin. Jesus is coming. The time is now. Repent. And He says, be forgiven of your sin. And when Jesus is here, what did Jesus preach? He preached the same message. Now when he heard that John had been arrested, John was preaching. They brought him in. They arrested him. He's in jail. He's no longer preaching in the Jordan. He's no longer baptizing at this point. We know that as he goes further on, he actually gets beheaded. And it says this, Now when he heard that John had been arrested, when Jesus had heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Nephitali, so that was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. And it says this, from that time, Jesus began to preach. Jesus began to preach from that time. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. We see that the disciples, the ones that walked closely with Jesus, that heard the message of Jesus Christ Himself and what He preached, after Jesus ascended, after Jesus, after the Spirit had fallen on them at Pentecost, this is what they preach. Peter stands up and he preaches this amazing sermon in Acts 2 to all the men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. And this is at Pentecost. There was a bunch of people there. And we read in the account just before he preached the Gospel that tongues of fire fell on them. And all of these men that were in Jerusalem at this time heard them speaking in their native tongue. At the end of Peter's sermon, it says 3,000 souls were added. We're going to read that. I don't think I'm doing it justice, so we're going to read it directly from the Scriptures. We're going to read this sermon. It's a little lengthy, but man, it's the Gospel 2, 14-41 in Acts. Read along. Listen to this. And I'm hoping that as we hear this message... Like this sermon has already been preached. Peter preached this sermon. This sermon is in the gospel. And when we hear what this, what this message did to these men and their response to hearing this message, my hope is that it has the same effect on us because it should. Acts 2 14 through 41. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. So we should be giving ear to these words like Peter's preaching this sermon. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. So Peter's going into Old Testament to prove that this prophecy is being fulfilled and this is the beginning of his sermon. 
And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through Him in your midst as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan of the foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hand of lawless men. God raised Him up, loosening the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord a ways before me, for he is at the right hand that I may not be sh- at my right hand that I might not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades. Or let the holy ones, or let your holy ones see corruption. You have made known to me the path of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is still with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on the throne. He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ that he was not abandoned to Hades nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up and on that we are, all, we are witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. That's what He's referring to when the tongues of fire fell and they were speaking in their native tongues and they can all understand this message that Peter is speaking. He says this. He says the Holy Spirit, He has poured out This that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. They're seeing this before their very eyes. They're hearing it with their own ears. For David did not ascend into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, 
What shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For that promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to Himself. And with many other words, He bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. For those who receive this word, were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. That is a sermon. That is a gospel sermon. That is from a man that walked with Jesus. I kind of got my notes mixed up. Give me a second. Give me a second here. So what I want to zero in on here in, in this message that you just heard, you just heard the exact same message that these men heard. You just heard the exact same message. And what did this message do to those men? What did it say? It cut them to the heart. What does it say in Hebrew? So we know that this is the Word of God that Peter is preaching. And listen to this. The Word of God, it cut them to the heart. And what does it say in Hebrews 4.12? I'm going to tell you what it says. It says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joint and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That is what the Word of God does. It cuts to the heart. And what do these men do? I can just picture them sitting here when Peter's preaching and he says, this Christ that you crucified. He's saying, you crucified. That you handed Him over to lawless men. Can you imagine? They're hearing their tongue. They're seeing this prophecy fulfilled before their very eyes. And they're like, oh my God. Oh my God. It's cutting them to the heart. The Word of God is cutting them to the heart. And what is their response immediately after this? What do I do? What do I do? And I'm just saying, man, when you hear the Word of God and you recognize your sin, the question should be, man, what do I do? And Peter tells us right here, this same thing 2,000 years ago, still today, repent and believe and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. That's what Peter says. That's the message. That's the message to the whole Scriptures. That's the message to the Gospel. John preached it. Jesus Christ preached repentance. Turn away from your sin. What shall we do? That's what they said. What shall we do? I mean, think about this. 3,000 men were added. There's 3,000 men and women. And what is it they're saying? All of them are saying, what shall we do? 
What do we do? This should be our response when we hear the gospel. If we're living in sin, if we haven't come to Christ, if we don't know who Jesus is and this message is preached, we should be like, what do I do? Man, and we're told over and over again, we're told through John, we're told through Jesus, we're told through the disciples, we're told through Paul to repent and be baptized, to turn away from our sin, not to go toward it and be like, all right, I'm going to maneuver it this time. We don't do that. We see it from a distance and we turn around and we go the other way because it does not satisfy. It leads to death. That is the evil one. He came to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus came to give us life and give it more abundantly through repentance because He knows we're sinners. Listen to this. Listen to what this says. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, I lost it again. It's all right. It's all right. God knows. God knows. (laughs) It's got to be this one. There it is. There it is. Listen to this. This is 2 Peter 3.9. It says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count to slowness. It said, but is patient toward you. God is patient toward you. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That all should reach repentance. Man, we live, it said, in a crooked generation. God could come, Jesus could come right now. But God is patient, not wanting any of us to perish, but all of us to reach repentance. And when we hear this gospel message that Peter has preached, and it cuts us to the heart, we should want to repent. That should be our response. What do we do? We should repent. Because listen to this in Luke 15, 7. Oh my goodness. Listen to this. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Listen to this. This isn't for the new. It doesn't say the new convert. It says for the sinner. So when we acknowledge our sin and we acknowledge that God is the most offended by our sin and we can confess our sin and we repent it says man there's rejoicing going on in heaven and this happens every time we repent it says it again in Luke 15 10 it says just so I tell you there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents this is an urgent message Because we've heard a message, I'm sure we've all heard the message, uh, pray this prayer. Receive Jesus. I don't see that when I read this. I don't see that when I read the Scriptures. I see repent and believe. That's what I see repentance and turning away from. I'm not going to say, yes Jesus, I receive you and everything's good. It says bear fruit and walking in repentance. It's a turning away from. And the reason this is an urgent message 
is because we do not know when His return is. We do not know if we walk outside and get hit by a car. We are not promised tomorrow. We will all stand before God. Without believing in God, it is impossible to repent. Repentance is blind to the unbeliever. God has given us repentance. When we believe in God, we believe that God has given us this through Christ, through the washing and cleansing, through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ and what His blood did on the cross. We can come to God directly in repentance and be united because He knows we're sinners. We were born into sin. It's not just an acknowledgement of sin. It's an acknowledgement of sin followed by repentance. It's a confession of sin followed by repentance. I pray to God that everyone in this room, my sisters, hears this message. I myself driving today back from Kenai. I'm just playing out the last weeks of my life. And I am repenting for an hour and a half of just things that I've done. I'm confessing before God because when we sin, we're so if I sin against my brother and sister, and if that's where my attention is, man, I have to make this right with my sister. I have to make this right with my brother. No, we have to make it right with God because God is the most offended by our sin. And until we see that God is the most offended by our sin, we will not begin to hate our sin. This is a constant thing. This isn't, oh, I repented. This isn't, I sinned here, so I'm going to wait till later and I'm just going to bundle up all my sin and then I'm just going to repent for it at one time. It's an immediate acknowledgement. God gives us the spirit of discernment to know between right and wrong. We know the difference between right and wrong. We know the difference between sinning and not sinning. Between not walking in the will of God and walking in the will of God. And how do we know that? It's right here. It's all right here. The most important thing we can do while we're on this earth is get in this book. This is the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. When we stand before God, when we see Jesus, are we going to be like, Oh, Jesus! Jesus, yes, I know You! I know You! I love You! I worship You! Are we going to be like, Oh, look, You are real. Oh, You are Jesus. Guess what Jesus says? They worship Me with their lips, but their hearts are far from Me. He says, I never knew You. That's going to happen to everybody here. We're going to stand before God. I'm going to stand before God. I'm going to answer for every action I've ever done, for every word I've ever spoken. And God's going to ask you a question as if He doesn't know the answer, but He does know the answer. We see that all the way back in the garden when He talks to Adam and Eve. He says, did you eat from the tree of which I told you not to eat from? Why would God ask a question He already knows the answer to? He's giving us an opportunity to repent. Day by day, minute by minute, walking in repentance. It doesn't say walk your day in sin and repent at the end. It says walking in repentance. 
And I just urge everyone in here, myself, I am a sinner in need of a Savior every day of my life. That this is not something to be taken lightly. This is not something I just hear and then I'm like, oh, I walk away and I sin and I sin and I sin and I sin and then I just let it go and then once a week I repent. This is a serious issue. It wrecked me this week. Preparing a message of repentance. I'm actually barely reading any of my notes. This is spirit tell, speaking through. Because I can't come up with these things. It's, a, it's an acknowledgement of I am a sinner in need of a Savior who has granted me the ability to repent and come close to God. really hoping that man I just like I pray over you sisters every night when I get here I sit in my car and I pray for you when I leave here I'm in my car going home praying for you and I pray that you would acknowledge Jesus as Lord over your lives that you would realize nothing else in this world matters except Jesus Christ. Material things have no meaning. They go. Jesus satisfies. And I pray that we would cling to Him as our most prized possession. He came to die for you. The only one who died for you. So that we could have life. He says in Ephesians that He predestined us for adoption. Meaning, we had another father at one point. It says that in Ephesians 2. It says we all, who we all once walked. And the passions of our flesh. Following the prince of the power of the air. Who we all once. It's pretense. Who all once. So let's believe that truth. We all once. He predestined us for adoption. Meaning we once walked a certain way. But God adopted us into His family. So now we're children of God. We're not children of wrath. And every time as He knows we're disobedient children. That we're going to sin. It's in our flesh we're going to sin. He says keep repenting. Keep repenting. Keep coming to me. Keep acknowledging me. Admit to me your weakness and I will give you strength. I am weak. I come before God as a humble beggar. Begging God. In humility. I just pray that you hear this message tonight. That it would not be stolen that it would be planted in your hearts, that you would dwell in repentance, like, that is good, dwelling in repentance, remembering what repentance is, that you would search the Scriptures 
for these sermons and how they lead us and show us what repentance is. We have to know what it is. Somebody show us. The scriptures will show us. My job here as a minister of the word, as a preacher of the word, is to usher you into repentance. Like my hope is that the message of the gospel leads you to repentance. It says repent and be baptized. The baptism won't save you, but it's an acknowledgement that you have died with Christ in His death and you've been raised to new life through Christ. And that we would walk in repentance, the newness of life, the renewing of our mind. Yeah, I'm going to pray. Close this out here. Father God, you are so good, Lord. Uh, I just think of the scripture in 2 Peter 3 9, where you say, You're not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Father God, I pray tonight, Lord, that we would all learn to reach repentance. Father God, that we would acknowledge that we've sinned to a holy God, and our sin separates us from you but that You've given us repentance to actually draw us back to You. So Father God, I thank You for this time. I thank You for this night. I pray for my sisters, Lord, that they would encounter You in a new way, that they would dwell in repentance and walk in repentance, Father God. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.